Hola, you're listening to Life in Paradise podcast, and this is my seventh time to try to record this intro. But no matter what they tell you, just remember, I don't do pre-recorded intros. I don't do pre-recorded intros, but I do do recorded intros. And I am struggling with this new equipment, but that's okay. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions, and I'm terrible with technology. So I come here about once or twice every week or two to whine and get it all off my chest. Some of my opinions you'll agree with and others you won't, and I'm okay with that. There's one thing we can all do. It's learn to be disagreeable. Wait. See? I'm in my head now. There's one thing we can all learn. It's to disagree without being disagreeable. I left that in there to prove to you that every now and then I make a mistake. Got an interesting show for today. Uh, some topics that I typically don't cover. I'm just kidding. I got some Biden stuff to catch up on. You know it. You know that's right. Probably won't be a very long show. I'm going to finish here and then go do some gardening. I planted a container garden. Well, I'm in the process of planting it. I'm in the process of replanting a container garden. Because everything I do goes wrong. But you didn't come here to hear me gripe about everything that I do goes wrong. But you did come here to hear my opinion. With that in mind, sit back, relax, and hand me the keys to the blimp for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. What's up, everyone? I uh, apologize for missing last week. It is a balmy 99 degrees. No, I don't know how hot it is, but it's hot. It's humid out here. It's rainy. It's the first time it's rained in like three years, and it's all humid, and I got the air conditioner cut off to the little room that I'm in because it's so loud, and this mic picks up every little sound. If you can't tell, I'm having a rough day. Me and, me and technology have been, been going at it today, starting to get used to it. One of these days, technology is going to win, and you're going to say, man, remember when Brandon used to do podcasts? And they'll be like, yeah, he quit because he could never get the audio to work right. And even though he didn't touch a thing over the last two weeks, he sits down to record and everything's all messed up. Yeah, so he just quit podcasting. That's probably what's going to happen one day. Because remember, I make zero dollars from this. And I don't even know if anyone listens. You know, I get a few downloads, but... I don't get any feedback. Nobody tells me what they like. No one tells me what they don't like. That's probably because the people who listen know me and they know that I won't change anything. But whatevs, as they say. It's been a pretty good week for Joe Biden content. We'll get into that here in a second. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've been pretty busy the last couple of weeks with the brewery. Uh, things got really tight. We had to buckle down and I had to focus all of my energy on that. So... I'm not making excuses for not podcasting, but I just, I wasn't in the mood, you know? Things that take work a lot of times, if they're not required, if, it, if it's something takes a lot of effort and it's not required for anything, it's kind of easy to blow it off. And I, I was feeling that way before I started today, but then I thought, you know what? I blew it off last week. 
I owe it to all my fans. You know, they pay good money to listen to me. I can't let them down again. So here I am. The first thing I'm going to talk about is something that I've often said. I don't talk about that because, you know, it's nothing important and no one really cares. And, and that's true. But every now and then I have an epitome. They call it an epiphanterian. And I had one of those. And I was like, I got to share my thoughts about that because it kind of makes sense, you know? And even though what I'm about to talk about isn't that important, I do like to point out intellectual inconsistencies and arguments. It's one of my specialties. Sometimes I'll take the opposing viewpoint of my own just to shoot holes in somebody's argument. But this particular topic is transgender kids. And I'm not going to spend a lot, lot, lot of time on it. But I do feel like it's worth sharing a revelation that I had. And you know what's really sad to me is that I, f- I feel like the only reason we're having an argument or that the country is at odds about transgender kids, and that's the thing, is this not, we're talking a small, small, small percentage of the population who thinks this is a big deal and something worth arguing about. But the media companies see that it divides people, and so they take it and they push it. And they put they plaster purple-headed parents and kids with nose rings all over Fox Media so that you get mad and you say, ah, those damn transgender kids are ruining the world. And that's the goal. And if you can just step back from that and maybe not be so emotional. And then, you know, on CNN, they're airing the the people picketing outside of the the transgender kid clinics or whatever kind of LGBTQ-friendly clinics that that they're at you know they're picking they're saying like let kids be kids kids are not both sexes whatever they pick and so the media covers that and they put it over cnn and the people on the left are going i can't believe that those people are trying to take away the choice for us to make for our kids to whether they're boys or girls and now you have a huge fight when in reality if you walked up to these people and you said hey you got a kid and they might say yeah is he transgender? Hey, what? No, hell no. He plays soccer. You know, it's not it's not an issue. You know, it's not this stuff doesn't really happen amongst a lot of people. But because the media portrays it a certain way, they have the ability to, to make us feel emotional about it so that we fight. And then we watch more media. Then we get on social media. We fight about it there. So you kind of see where I'm getting at. But one of the things about this transgender kids thing is that even though it's kind of disgusting, in my opinion, that we're, we're, we're forcing kids to pick a sex or a gender at a young age, even more sick than that is that I think most of this, I think this stuff has been brought on by parents. Kids don't question their sexuality when they're little. Maybe you do when you get older. And furthermore, why is it that these, these transgender kids it's happening more in certain regions, right? It's happening more in the, in the Californias and the Portlands than it is in Kansas City, Missouri. And the reason for that, the reason that we're seeing it is because parents have the ability to persuade their kids through suggestion. And I'm not a parent, so I can't say for sure, but maybe you should talk to some of your other friends who are parents or people you know that are parents, or maybe you're a parent yourself. And you'll probably agree that if if you went up to a little boy and you said, hey, um, 
you know, Billy, you ever thought about what it's like to be a girl? And Billy would go, no. And you might say, well, come here. Let's sit down. Let's talk about it a little bit. And you could you could come up with all sorts of examples in Billy's life where where Billy had, you know, questioned why daddy has an Audi and mommy has an Innie. And then maybe Billy said he'd rather have an Innie than an Audi. And so if you wanted to, you could manipulate a child into thinking that they maybe wanted to be the opposite sex. Now, do I think parents are doing that intentionally? That they're going, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, I'm going to convince my little Billy to, to be Susie. No, I don't think that's it at all. I think that these parents are so caught up in, in conveying to their kids that, you know what, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to feel like, whatever you want to be, it's okay. It's okay to be that way. And they get so caught up in that that they, they're not willing to let the natural progression play out. And they're not willing to see how the child might want to be. And so I think that most of these parents probably have good intentions. Or, or it could be that some of them you know, wish they were transgender and it's too late, so now they're living through their kids. I understand that that happens and happens in Little League Baseball and swim team and ballerina lessons and all that. So it could be that that's happening too. I do not think deep down inside that we're just having uh, all of a sudden kids are being born with a desire to have the opposite gender than what they were born with in certain areas of the country. Now, the argument on the other side of that would be like, well, maybe these kids are having questions. And then in these cities like Kansas City, Missouri and Dallas, Texas, maybe they are bringing it up to their parents and their parents are saying, no, you were born with a wiener, you're a boy or you were born with a hoo-ha, you're a girl. Maybe that's happening, too. I feel like if that were happening. Parents would take note and they would think to themselves. This, this wasn't happening 10, 15 years ago. Why all of a sudden are kids being born and thinking that they're confused on whether they're a boy or girl by the time that they're 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 15 years old? Let's, let's figure out what's going on. And then if that were the case, I don't think that there would be as big of an issue people fighting about transgender, fill in the blank, kids, restrooms, diapers, what, whatever transgender people fight about. I don't think they would be fighting because they would be like, hey, this really, we are having, for whatever reason, all these kids that were born boys, they want to be girls, and the girls want to be born boys. So let's sort it out. In my opinion, I think the power of suggestion has, is pushing these kids to, to think that, yeah, may, maybe their parents are right, that maybe it would be kind of fun because kids are not equipped to make these types of decisions. We don't even let them vote. We don't let them buy cigarettes. We don't let them serve in the military. But for whatever reason, there's a small, teeny, tiny, itty-bitty group of people who think that it's it's okay for kids to make these decisions and that nobody should get in the way or, or stop them. And in my opinion, this is just bad parenting. I think you're setting your kid up for a lifetime of failure and misery and outcasts if they, if they do this. And what sucks is that the parents think they're doing a good thing. The parents think they're helping the child. And in my non-participatorial observationary tactics, I think this happens a lot in parenting. I think a lot of decisions that parents make think that they're helping their children or their kids or their grown adult. And I think 
this the types of things that people do that that sound good and they want to help if they were to give the same advice to their friends they would advise against it and that's because they allow their emotions to become involved and instead of thinking okay what's the best thing for this kid or child or son and what's the what's the easiest thing for me to do and i think typically those things are different right if we think of the old adage you know typically the right thing to do is the harder of the two and i think that that also carries through raising kids you know to to raise a kid your job as a parent should be just to equip the kid to take on the world and i think doing things like never disciplining them never getting them in trouble letting them speak to you however they want to letting toddlers get away with throwing fits and i know listen i know you're thinking right now you're just a dog trainer brandon you don't know nothing about no kids i've heard it i've heard it i i, I am just a dog trainer but i think that's why i do know a lot about kids and if you don't understand dogs then you probably don't understand that and that's okay i'm okay with that just consider this my opinion and take it for what it's worth but i think that a lot of the issues that people have later in life are from their parents and they're not from the school they're not from the daycare they're not from their job it's it's all about how you raise your kids kind of like pit bulls right it's all how you raise them my whole point is we should totally stop arguing about transgender kids and so the the solution is I, there probably is no solution the solution is that we take note we think to ourselves, transgender kids are probably a product of their parents. And because of that, no regulation or no laws can change it. So we just have to let these parents bully their kids into being transgender. And then eventually what will happen is we'll see this huge group of kids that grow up, that transition from boy or girl to the opposite at nine years old. And they're going to live a life of hell until they die. And then other parents are going to see that, and they're going to say, "Man, I, I don't want to put my kid through that." And this is this is how things change. The pendulum just goes back and forth, and back and forth. And that's just my opinion about transgender kids. If you have not noticed, the liberal media is turning against Bro Jiden. They have started broadcasting things and talking about things that they never have before. They're admitting to things being true that they used to deny. And this is no this is no accident, in my opinion. They're setting him up to be replaced. And I know, you're thinking, you're thinking, You're just a right-wing conspiracy theorist. You don't even know what you're talking about. And maybe that's the case. But I think that they're setting him up to be replaced. Why else, why else would the news release clips about Hunter Biden's dealings in China. Now, it's not because that they're they want justice. It's not because they want to see someone else come into power. It's because they know that it will sell. And I think it's the 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 idea is to start building a case against them so we can get them out of there. Just listen. I dug up uh, two clips. One of these was from the debate in 2020. And it was um, Biden saying that his son had no business dealings in China, never made any money from that. Uh, uh, he couldn't think of the word China, but you'll hear. 
And then immediately following that is a news clip from Friday talking about the investigation into Hunter Biden's business dealings. Just listen. Listen here. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. Like he just kind of forgot. What, who are we talking about? China. China. All right, I'm going to start over because I cannot help myself. So I'm going to start right over. Hang on. Here we go again. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China. We also have new information this morning about an ongoing investigation into President Biden's son, Hunter. Federal officials are looking at his foreign business dealings, including his ties to a Chinese energy company. So once again, these people just forget that we have this little tool called the Internet and nothing really gets erased. So, yeah, I, I don't know how people could deny the fact that they think or they could deny the fact that he's not involved dirtily with with other countries. Because this this shows it, right? First, he says, my son has not been involved in making money from China. And then now we're hearing, well, the feds are looking into Hunter Biden's business dealings in China. Well, which is true, Joe? Which is true? Does he not have business dealings or does he have business dealings? Because if, if you were not trying to cover up his business dealings, you would say, you know what, my son does have business in China. He does this and this and that. He provides us value, and you would go on. But here you have him saying he doesn't do business there, and you have the news saying we are looking into his business dealings. The news isn't saying we're looking into allegations of him having business dealings there. They're saying he has business dealings there, and we're looking into him. We're, we're going to try to figure out what's going on with him. You know, the, this... Ladies and gentlemen, is corruption at its finest. It takes place across the board. I'm convinced that this is not this is not limited to one party. This is not single. This is what happens when people have lots and lots of power and they have the chance to deal with foreign countries who need things. It, I'm going to break down the situation again of what happened with the with the Ukraine and Burisma and Biden and Trump and uh the investigator because it's important that everyone knows this is these are the types of things that you need to be able to explain to people who say well trump was impeached because because ukraine and you could say actually here's what happened you see hunter biden was given a seat on a board for a big company called burisma and burisma is tied to the ukraine government they produce oil and petroleum and they sell it and the government gets a chunk well, they still kind of operate like a private company. Well, so Joe Biden's son, Hunter, was on this board. He had no business being there. He had no experience in oil and gas. He had, he's been a crackhead his whole life. He's been in and out of jail. So from a company's perspective, the only advantage that they have by having this guy get paid, I think it was like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand a month, 80000 a month, something like that, was a connection to Joe. Because what else could he offer, Right. Why would you put a crackhead on your board of a petroleum company? What's what is he going to add to it? What's he going to what value is Hunter going to bring by being there? None. There there is none. And so right around the time that people started sniffing around and they figured out, hey 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 hey, time out. Why is why is this little crackhead meth smoking baby maker non kid claiming uh 
husband of dead brother's wife dude doing on the board of our oil company. And so the prosecutor, the district attorney starts sniffing around and Biden gets him fired. Biden flies over there with a billion dollars and says, hey, Mr. President, whoever's in charge of this bunch over here, I got a billion dollars for you. This is coming from the U.S. This is free money. I'm going to make it rain on you guys. But you have to fire the prosecutor. And they may have said, well, hold on, man. He's, he's just making sure there's no corruption going on. And Biden goes, no, no, no. He's dirty. He's corrupt. You're going to fire him. You're going to fire him or I'm not going to give you this billion dollars. And the guy says, you can't do that. And Biden says, call the president and ask him. This is when Biden was the vice president. And so, well, as Biden says, son of a bitch, they fired him. They went out and fired him that day. Okay, Biden gave him six hours. He said, if you if you don't fire this guy in six hours, I'm flying home and I'm keeping your billion dollars. I'm taking it back to the U.S. So some prosecutor out there who had spotted corruption was pointing it out, was fired, was fired. Okay, so that was that. Then Trump hears of this when he gets office and he says, hey, 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 time out. Well, what's what's happened? We need I need to know what's going on over there. We're, we're holding money to keep people from investigating. And so I tell you what, I'm going to hold money too. I'm going to hold money from you until you tell me WTF is going on there. And so Trump was impeached. They, they ran him out. They didn't run him out of office, but they, they, were, they impeached him. Forever go down as a tattoo on his forehead. When in reality, he did the exact same thing that Biden did. Does that make it right? No, apparently not. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that Biden has got a history of corruption. And I've said it before. Ukraine is a haven for these corrupt people. You need to go back and research. uh, Go read about Rick Perry, Ukraine allegations. Okay, Rick Perry. And this is why I, you know, I used to think, well, you know, Republicans, they stand on they stand on morals. They kind of tend to have more ethical um, a grounds, ethical judgment. But but here's, I'm starting to realize, because I'm woke, I'm starting to realize that they're just as guilty. They're just as guilty. So Rick Payne, as the um, Secretary of Energy for the U.S., and remember, he was the governor of Texas. He's got all kinds of connections in the oil and gas industry. Because when you're governor of Texas, everyone's throwing you money, especially when you're a Republican, so that you can make sure that policy happens or doesn't happen that benefits them. So he's got all these connections in the oil, oil and gas, liquid natural gas, pipeline, petroleum, you name it. He knows everybody. So he conveniently gets the title of Secretary of Energy, goes over to Ukraine, strikes a bunch of deals with them, and even lines up a, a liquid natural gas company in Louisiana that had absolutely no business getting the contract to, to refine natural gas into liquid or to turn it into liquid natural gas, he about had him sign a contract and the plant wasn't even built. It w- there was no plant. They they asked him, they said, Rick, how are you going to do this? And I think the, the general consensus was, well, once they had the money, they'll build the plant. So they awarded a contract to a company to produce liquid natural gas that had never produced liquid natural gas. And so the way that these things happen is that Rick Perry goes over there and the country's like, we are so poor. We don't even have liquid natural gas and we don't know how to make. And Rick Perry said, well, that's good luck for you. I'm from Texas. I got all the connections you need. How can I help you? And they say, 
we will pay for liquid natural gas to come to Ukraine so we can have gas. And Perry comes back and goes, hey, guys, uh, Ukraine, you know, they, they want to be independent from Russian oil. They don't want to have to depend on, on Putin. They want to have their own natural gas. I'll tell you what, why don't we just strike a deal with them? We'll let some of our companies sell them natural gas. It helps our economy, helps their economy. And so these things can be spun in a way that makes it sound like you're doing the right thing. But really, it, and, and maybe it is the right thing. But the wrong thing is when the politician's getting involved and he's like, I got this guy over here. He says, hey, go over here and put in this bid. Put, put in this bid. Don't worry. We got you. We got you. That's the wrong thing. And th that's what happens. And so I've cracked the code. I've figured out that the, the reason that the Republican establishment is so gung-ho on this war is because they know that if the Ukraine stays sideways with Russia, they have nowhere to get their, their petroleum products from. And who, who better than the U.S.? Nobody. We can supply them liquid natural gas. We can send them uh, refined oil, unrefined, whatever we need to. We can, we can get it to you. And so these people are over there just striking deals. In the meantime, they're saying, hey, we got to make sure we're still fighting Putin. We got to make sure we're still fighting him. And in their own mind, do they think it's that flagrant? Who knows? I don't know. I'd like to think not. I'd like to think that they truly think these people need gas. We have gas. Screw Russia. They could buy their gas from us. But what taints that whole thing is when they're like, okay, they can buy their gas from us, and here's my homeboy. He makes the gas. Well, homeboy gives Perry a kickback. So whenever you have a a, a corruption play or you have a, a, a situation that could involve corruption, all bets are off. You don't know what anyone's motives are. And so I, I don't know what the solution is. You know, I, I think about it all the time, and I think, how could you keep this from happening? And the only thing I can come up with is electing the right people. Electing the right people that can help Ukraine figure out how to get their oil and gas without buying it from Russia and not getting rich at the same time. And that's a very, very difficult thing to ask someone because they can easily just say, well, I mean, I was helping him. My buddy had the place. He needed the work. They needed the work. So I hooked him up. And, you know, there comes a point where you have to be as transparent as possible and you have to hope people are being honest. I just I the older I get and the more I read about things, the more I actually understand. And listen, I only know a little teeny tiny bit about what really goes on. And a lot of this is, you know, speculation. Maybe I could be wrong. Who knows? I, I could be completely off. Maybe Hunter Biden is some magical unicorn that's like Rain Man with numbers, and he knows how to calculate gas wells better than anyone else. I don't think so because he smokes crack and bangs hookers. So chances of that being true are not, but you never know. You know, I just think that we as voters need to pay attention to these types of things and never assume that someone is innocent of corruption or anything naughty because we share the same political affiliation. Here's another one. This is this is MSNBC, okay? This is not Fox News. This is not Newsmax. This is not OAN. MSNBC. Start providing more details about the federal investigation into Hunter Biden and his business dealings in China. Catherine Herridge has the latest from Washington. So there you go. Not whether or not he has business dealings in China, but we're looking into his business dealings in China. These people are not innocent. They're rich for a reason. They love power. 
They'll do anything they can to keep it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. You know, one thing I really love about Biden is when he gets going and he starts starts giving a speech and he, he will randomly say things louder. And he uses a different tone of voice. Don't ever do that to me ever again. <laughs> Here's just an example of that. NATO's purpose is to defend against aggression. That's his purpose, to defend. Defend. Let me make... Whoa, whoa, let's hear the remix. Hold on. Remix. Let me make... Let no one make a mistake. Let no one make a mistake. Let no one make a mistake. All right, one more time. Let no one make a mistake. The meaning of this historic day. In the face of aggression... NATO has not grown weaker or more divided. You ready? It has grown stronger. Stronger. More united. More united. With Finland and Sweden's decision to request membership of NATO, it'll be enhanced for all time. Standing together today, we reject the blood. You hear that? Standing together. Standing together today, we reject the bloody creed that might makes right. And we declare more. What? More powerful. Creed. All for one and one for all. All right, I got one more clip for you, and then I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to be done uh, Biden pinata for today. But just listen to this. So, this is his take on abortion. The first clip was 2006. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. I All right. So that was from 2006, right? He said that uh, he doesn't think abortion is a woman's right. 2006, what's that, 14 years ago? 15, something like that, 16? I don't know anyone. Okay, just listen. So this is this is the State of the Union right here coming up. Folks, advancing liberty and justice also requires protecting the rights of women. The constitutional right affirmed by Roe v. Wade, standing precedent for half a century, is under attack as never before. If you want to go forward, not backwards, we must protect access to health care, preserve a woman's right to choose. Yep, there you go. 16, 17 years later, complete flip-flop, complete 180, preserve the woman's right to abort her baby. And that's it. That's all I got about Joe Biden. You know, I feel like I don't even need to say anything. I, I could just play clips and you could probably draw your own inferences, you know. But here we are. The next thing I want to talk about is how difficult it is to own and operate a small business and how most people don't realize that small businesses actually make only a little teeny tiny bit of money. And I know a lot of people don't understand this. They might not agree with me. They may think that, oh, those business owners are so rich and greedy and they just they just hoard everything because they're so greedy. A little secret is that business owners make less money than they would if they worked for someone else. And then you might think to yourself, well, why in the world would someone be willing to work for less money? And that's simple. It's that they're willing to work for less money because they have freedom. They have the right to 
If they want to go on vacation, they can go on vacation. If they want to leave early to go to their kid's soccer game, they can leave early. And because of this, the the market has said, okay, entrepreneur, you're willing to work for this price, and you get to do this. And it's said to the other guy, well, since you have to give up your kid's soccer games, it's going to take a little bit more to keep you around. And so the idea that someone's willing to take extra pressure and extra stress in order to have freedom is nothing new. I just think a lot of people don't realize it, that a, a business owner creates a buffet for all of his employees who work there. And he guarantees that they're going to get paid as much as he can, you know, every week, every two weeks, whatever the case may be. If there's anything left, he gets it. So he's gambling that he'll come out just enough ahead to support him and his family. And what people who run the government, especially people who tend to be liberal or or Democrat, don't understand this. Because the, the types of people who, who are willing to take risks and work for themselves and sacrifice money for free time are completely opposite of the type of people who thinks that we should take money from people and redistribute it. Because really, that's what politics is about. From a global perspective, we're just redistributing wealth. And figuring out how to move that wealth around is what we argue about. And so it's very frustrating for me, being a small business owner, to to have rules and policy put in place over me and the way that I operate by someone who has never been in my position. And you don't understand, if you've never worked for yourself, you don't understand this, and that's okay. I don't expect you to. But you don't understand what it's like to look at your bank account and think, man, how am I going to make payroll? And you don't understand what it's like to get a tax bill from the county who says, you owe us this much money. And you go back and you say, but we don't have it. And they say, well, too bad you owe us or you're going to pay penalties and interest. And you don't understand what it's like to get a letter from your landlord saying, by the way, you owe us $11,000. Uh, last year for some stuff that happened in the building that we paid for, but you're responsible for paying your, your portion of it. And so all these types of things add up. And it's those types of things that that keep small businesses from being profitable. And so people look around and they want to blame big business and they want to blame all these these things for, for running off mom and pop shops. But it's really it's the consumer and where they decide to shop and the regulations that people put in place that make it difficult or easy to do business. And when I hear things like, well, businesses just don't pay their fair share. I just shake my head because the average person doesn't realize what a business pays. A business pays franchise tax, employment tax, sales tax, personal property tax, property tax. I I could probably keep going. I thought about writing out a list, but I'm I'm just rattling them off. I mean, I learned the hard way what a franchise tax was. I had my own business doing concrete work, and I get a letter from the state it's talking about franchise tax. Well, I look at it, and I thought, man, I'm not a franchise. This doesn't apply to me. I watered up, but I threw it in a way. And a couple years later, I got a bill from the state saying I owed like $75,000. <laughs> I was like, for what? And then I finally found someone who could explain to me what a franchise tax was. And that's not because... It's just I just didn't know any better. We we have nothing in place to teach people how to run small businesses. So I thought, you know what? It'd be really cool to one day have a school that you go straight from high school into entrepreneur school. And you don't waste your time on things like history 
and science. And, not, and I'm not saying it's a waste of time. I'm just saying for people who want to do business for themselves, it's more important that we teach them things like um, what the, the Fed funds rate is and how interest rates affect your business and what, what borrowing can do and what, how much leverage is too much. And, you know, there's probably people out there that are saying, you know, thinking about me right now and saying, well, you're just not a good business owner. You just don't know. You don't know what you're doing and you probably should go out of business. And, hey, I, I think that applies to a lot of people. Unfortunately, when it comes to me and my position, I'm going to have to disagree. I feel like that I enjoy business. I study it. I learn about it. It's interesting to me. So the average small business owner may or may not be engaged in as much business outside of their business as I am. But they're still trying like hell. They're trying to make it. And I don't think it's anyone's responsibility to provide them with guidance and, and education on how to do it. But I would love to see the free market develop some type of school. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll be a passion project of mine. But I've always liked the idea of teaching people entrepreneurship. So I don't know. I kind of spit off on a tangent. My whole point is that doing business for yourself is way harder than you think. If you've never done it before, if you've have done it before and you've gotten out, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So my my advice or my hope is that you support small business as much as you can, because the, the deck is stacked against them. There's only so much profit out there. There's lots of competition in this country, which is great. I think competition is healthy, provides a better experience for the consumer. But with that in mind, you go to a restaurant and your food's not perfect. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Look at it as an opportunity to help the business grow and improve their product so that maybe, just maybe, they can stick around and make it through. And the, and the parents will have a business to either sell when they're ready to retire or hand it off to their kids. That's all. I don't know. I, I, we had a couple rough weeks with money, and I thought to myself, you know, we are trying like hell. We are working harder than, than I ever thought I would. And to not almost not make it, almost be like, okay, we got to go borrow more money to make payroll. To almost be there, thinking that I'm doing everything I could possibly do, and then get hit with a tax bill and this and that. And man, you have to be an eternal optimist. That's it. It's not cut out for everyone. There's not many people who can do it. But I really, really, really admire small business owners. If you can't tell. For my last trick, I'm going to talk a little bit about oil prices and. I've been studying about this quite a bit, and I and I heard last week that the I think it was Congress was going to start voting on on price controls on fuel, and I immediately thought, no, this is terrible. This is not 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 a good thing. Price controls are a terrible thing, and and I'll explain why in just a second. But the way that they're cleverly disguising this is by saying. We're just making sure that big businesses aren't price gouging. And so my opinion about price gouging is that, like, people should be allowed to price gouge. And I'll maybe get to that here in a little bit, too. But what what the government's saying is that, well, oil companies are having too big of profits, and they're they're not producing more oil. They're just charging more for the oil that they're producing. And once again, this goes back to the, oh, You've never run or owned a business and you're making laws to regulate them. So naturally, you don't understand what's happening. And let me break it down for you. What's happening is that there's companies. They take risks. They go look for oil so they can convert it into fuel and sell it and make money. And hopefully, if they do it right, they can make lots and lots of money. 
Now, unfortunately, that oil is just a commodity. Whether you buy oil from the U.S. or Saudi Arabia or Venezuela or wherever you get it, it's the same product. Because of that, you don't get to say how much your oil sells for. You have to sell it for what's called the market price, just like gold, right? If I want to buy some gold and I go to John and I say, John, how much is your gold? He says, $1,000 an ounce. And I go to Fred. Fred goes, 700 an ounce. I'm going to buy it for Fred. So what ends up happening is the person who's buying it has the power because John's gold and Fred's gold is exactly the same. Well, this also happens in the oil business. The oil is the same. And so the, the government is blaming these businesses for not producing more oil, which is extremely ironic because the government passed a bunch of policy to, that made oil production and transportation far more difficult and more expensive. Now we're seeing the backlash of these things. Oil is expensive. It's hard to move around because we shut down a bunch of pipelines. So the government's saying, you're making too much money. You need to be producing more oil and bring the prices down. Because remember from supply and demand, if you have an increase in supply and the demand stays the same, you'll decrease the price, right? Because now instead of buying gold from Fred or Bill, we got Pablito comes up on the market, another gold supplier. And so now all three of them are competing for your business, not just two of them. So the government wants to know, why don't you produce more oil and lower the prices? Well, think about it like this. Let's just say that Fred, the gold man, has the ability to go out and buy more ounces of gold. So he can go out and he can buy four, five, and six ounces. The other guys only have one or two. So now Fred can sell his, he can sell an ounce, another ounce, another ounce, and another ounce. Well, that's the same thing as an oil company producing more oil. The reason that oil companies are not producing more oil is because it costs more to produce the oil than what they'll make by selling it. So instead of them producing oil, they're just going to say, you know what? I'm not making oil. I'm not making enough money to go out and make more oil. You guys have raised the cost of this. The taxes are too high. There's all kinds of regulations. Saudi Arabia can make it for way less. So I'm not going to waste my time to go do it. Okay, so that, let's fast forward a little bit now. And the government says, you know what? You have to sell your oil for this price. And so what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, you know what? We're just not going to produce oil. We're going to take the money that we would have invested in our oil rigs we're going to go invest it in something else. Okay? So then what happens? And then the supply of oil goes down because you have less people making it. But remember, the government says you cannot sell it any higher than this. So, so the next step is you have oil shortages. You have people that need to buy oil no matter what the cost is. They'll, keep, they'll buy it. They'll keep buying it. They're moving things around, transporting things, whatever the case may be. They've got to have their oil. But then remember, the oil producers went away because the government said you cannot charge more than this. You're not allowed to. It's illegal. You're making too much money. Your jet's too big. Your mansion's too big. And we just shouldn't have that in this country. So then what happens? Then you have people saying, well, I can't, I can't get my hands on any oil. And now you have people that would really like to have oil or diesel not be able to get it because there's not enough people making oil because there's not enough profit left in that in that industry for them to, to capture the profits and resell their oil. It'd be like somebody stepping in the room with the gold seller and saying, Hey, Fred, Bill, Pablito, you're not allowed to charge more than $350 an ounce for your gold. And Pablito's like, bro, 
I just showed up and I was getting a thousand. Now you're going to tell me, I mean, it, it took me 700 bucks to get this gold. And now you tell me I can't sell it for 350. Well, then screw it. I'm going to take my gold and I'm leaving. Then you have people that want to buy gold and there's not enough gold to satisfy them. So then two things happen. People don't get their gold. Or then you have what's called a black market. And that's where people will sell the gold under the table for whatever price they want to. And, and this is nothing new. It's happened in Venezuela. It's happened in Cuba. It happens all the time when governments get involved and they say, you, you're you not allowed to charge more than this. And, and so that's why I don't think the government has no place. Or that's why I think the government has no place to say how much anyone can charge for anything. It's not the government's role to control the price of goods and services because they'll screw it up. I don't think it's right for the government to say, you're not allowed to, to charge $800 a bottle for water. I, I know it's an unpopular opinion. I get it. But let me, let me explain it out to you. There was a hurricane a few years ago in Houston. A lot of the operators just closed their, their gas stations and they left. They said, you know what? We're not dealing with this. I don't want to get blown away. I'm going to go. So then the people who stayed behind said, you know what? I'm going to sell some gasoline. Everyone needs gas. All my competition's gone. I'm going to charge a little bit more for it. I'm going to make a little bit more money. I'm going to take the risk. I'm staying here. I'm staying behind. I could get blown away, but I'm willing to take that risk in order to sell the fuel. And the government says, No, you're not allowed to charge more for fuel. Everybody needs fuel. So then what? They're like, okay, then we'll leave. So they close up their shops. They left. And now guess who gets fuel? Nobody. Nobody gets fuel. Whereas if you allow the market to set the price, then some people at least would get fuel. And and people would get the fuel that they need. And people who were able to pay for their fuel would still be able to get it. But when you do things like price controls, you shut it off so that you can't even get it. And it, there's no such thing as something that is too essential to control the price of. I mean, we don't have a problem with people price gouging on tickets to events. We, don't, we, we hear that a Super Bowl seat costs $50,000 and we think, huh, well, that's a lot of money. We don't think that like the government should step in and say, you shouldn't charge that much for the Super Bowl tickets. We're okay with it because we understand that there's a limited number of seats. And somebody wants to sit down the 50-yard line front row, and there's only one of those seats, maybe two. So we understand that. But for whatever reason, people just pick and choose which items were allowed to price gouge, quote-unquote, for, and which items were not allowed to. And I don't understand what people use to make that determination. Remember back in the toilet paper gate, back when COVID came out, and you had idiots standing in line for days wrapped around Sam's Club waiting to get the toilet paper because they were told that we're going to run out? What should have happened was Sam should have said, hey, toilet paper's 50 bucks a roll. You wouldn't have a line. You wouldn't have shortages. You wouldn't have people being told how many they could buy because people wouldn't buy any more than what they needed. You know, if I had to buy toilet paper and it was 100 bucks a roll, I'd say, uh, can I buy like a quarter of a roll? Because prices are going to come down soon. I need toilet paper right now. Prices are going to come down soon. Can I buy a quarter of a roll? But instead, they said, nope, 
you can only buy two packs. So what does everyone do? Everyone buys two packs. They go home and they put them in their closet. The next day they go back. They buy two packs more. Then you got the guy who's like, dang, I really need toilet paper, but I can't get it because they're rationing it. And I missed out. I wasn't here. I wasn't willing to stand in the idiot line around Sam's Club for a day and a half. So what, I just don't get toilet paper? Yep, that's how it goes. I And, and for the life of me, I've gotten into it with some people before who are like, you know, you can't charge for water. It's essential. Well, up until 15 years ago, you couldn't buy water in bottles. You had to just get it out of the tap. There's always a workaround. There's always a solution. And it's not limiting the price of things. I don't know when people will learn this. But when we do, when we learn this, it'll be better. We won't see countries like Venezuela, who the government said, you can only charge this much for toilet paper. So what ended up happening? The importers and producers of toilet paper said, okay, you're no longer getting our toilet paper. We can sell it for more than that to another country. Or we can just sit on it and we just slow down our production. So these types of things are the types of things that happen when people who have never conducted business in a free market are making laws and rules that regulate people who are trying to conduct business in a free market. And I think that's all. That is all I have to say about free market and price gouging. And you know what? If I've talked about it before, I don't I don't care. Sometimes I talk about the same things twice. But I hope that I can provide a better understanding. And I would love for you to contact me if you disagree. I would love for someone to, to talk to me on the interwebs. We can record it, put it up as a podcast. And I would love to talk to someone who thinks price controls are good and to give me some examples of where they've worked because I've never seen any. I haven't. I'd be willing to look at some, though. I'd be interested to see where they where they help because it's just the laws of economics. And remember, I, I, all this these thoughts are inspired by other people. So... You know, I've heard a lot of this through other media conglomerates and, and places where I get my information. So these, these thoughts aren't original. But the more that I live life, the more they make sense to me because I see things happening and I take note of them and I pay attention to them. And so all I do is hope that you maybe take this information that I'm getting and process it and understand it and use it about your life. That That would make me happy. But what would make me happiest if we had a government that said, hey, you people who have run businesses, you guys are in charge of the laws that, that, that oversee businesses. And you people who have been doctors your whole life, you people, you, overseas, the, you oversee the laws that regulate doctors in the medical industry. And you people who have run nonprofits and, and worked you know, your whole life for, for a passion project, you're going to oversee the the laws that regulate charities and and completely split this whole thing apart instead of trying to have one out of two groups make laws for the other one because if we're all being honest republicans don't know and don't care anything about feelings right we're all about facts we want data we want to make decisions we want freedom so it's my opinion that those types of people shouldn't be making laws that regulate charities. And so, I don't know. In my opinion, we should we should split it up a lot more than what it is. But I get why we have a two-party system. 
I do. I understand it. I used to think that we shouldn't have three parties, or we shouldn't have two. We should have three or four or five or six. But I understand why we have two now. And I'll save that explanation for another day. You hear those dogs barking? I'm sure you can. They're protecting me. Okay. All right. Time for me to go finish my little container garden. By containers, I mean five-gallon buckets. I think I may have mentioned on the last show that I, I planted all my seeds. Well, only like <laughs> two of them sprouted. My tomato plant and my jalapeno plant sprouted, and they just stopped. They're like inch and a half, stopped. You know, I am not. I don't have a green thumb. I was so bad. I was one of those people that everything I touched just grew and flourished and. You know, I don't have it. I don't have that. And I get it. Like, you have to <laughs> you have to be blessed with that. And I'm not afraid to admit that I don't have it. But I do like to grow things. So I went today, right when it finished pouring down raining, to the Home Depot. And I bought myself some plants that are already in, like, a little planter. And I just got to move them to a bigger, a bigger container. And maybe these ones will grow. So I was looking at the price. I think I spent, like, 40 bucks. On plants and dirt and cages. And I'm thinking, that I don't know if this is going to produce $40 worth of tomatoes. I don't know. If it did, I probably won't eat it. So my goal is to grow tomatoes and make my homemade marinara sauce from scratch and can it. So keep that in mind. I will keep you posted. If you never hear me mention it again, just assume that everything went to hell and the tomatoes died and I never made the sauce. Otherwise, I guarantee you, you'll know when I make the sauce. Okay, I feel like I've been rambling. Thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. I uh, have a YouTube channel up. It's called Brandon Harper. I haven't been contributing much to it because I've been so busy at work and some other stuff going on. So I'm going to get back into it. Um, I'm, I might shift gears. I'm going to change it up a little bit, I think. I don't... I don't think I'm going to follow the same format as this podcast. I feel like there's enough people out there just giving their opinions. So I'm wrestling with some new ideas. I'm in no hurry. I've got a lot on my plate right now. So bear with me. Hope everyone has a great week this week. Go out there. Spend some time with your kids. Don't trick them into thinking that they're a boy or a girl. Don't worry about transgender people. There's not that many of them. Work hard. Play hard. Be honest. Hold politicians accountable. And most of all, Keep it tranquilo. She's got Betty Davis eyes. She'll turn the music on you. You won't have to think twice. She's pure as New York snow. she got Betty
She knows.